Pastor Xavier Reese with encouragement that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Those times when it seems dark, those times when the things that God has removed his hand from my life and your life, be ready, seek him, because he's ready to do another good work. In those times when I feel or it seems that there's nothing going on, then I need to trust God. I need to commit myself to him because he still wants to work and he's going to use me. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When there's money in the bank, food in the cupboard, and everyone in the house is healthy, it's easy to trust God. But what about when things are not so good? It's easy to think God isn't worthy of praise when things are hard. But Pastor Xavier says nothing could be further from the truth. As he continues a study series based on the book of Ezra, he unpacks more simple truths of a God in control, whether we recognize it or not. Let's listen. In the book of Ezra, as well as Nehemiah and Esther, we get the record of Israel's history after the Babylonian captivity. These three books are three that you should think together as post-captivity. In chapter 1 of Ezra, we have the decree of Cyrus. But do not lose sight that Cyrus is the one who's decreeing, but it is God who has initiated. It is God who has brought it to pass. I think sometimes we can lose sight of what even happens in our own life, and we see something happen and say, well, that just happened to happen, or that was just coincidence. And we don't realize that God is in control of our lives. That is very important for you and myself. Now, I don't always know this, but I'm to be looking, I'm to be praying, I'm to be anticipating what God is going to show me so that I can see that He is the initiator of all things. The first verse says, Now the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and also put it into writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all of the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there among you of all his people. May his God be with him. Now let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build a house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever remains in any place where he sojourns, let the men of this place help him with silver and gold and goods and livestock, besides the freewill offering of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. This is in fulfillment to Jeremiah, chapter 25, verse 12, Jeremiah 29, 10. Jeremiah had prophesied that God was going to take the nation of Israel into captivity. The close of 2 Chronicles, just page just before Ezra, it's because the reason why they went into captivity, because they did not give rest to the land in the Sabbaths. And so God says, I'll let the land rest by putting you into captivity for 70 years. And so we see God as the initiator of the captivity and the initiator of the freedom given to them. Cyrus responded, and then in verse 5 on down, we see the people responded also. The heads of the father, or the fathers and the heads of the tribes. In chapter 2, we get the daring people. The reason I call them daring is because these people were in captivity, and though under Nebuchadnezzar and the various Babylonian kings, they did not have the best treatment. 
Under the Persian rule, the Jews became very prosperous. Unlike the Assyrians, unlike the Babylonians, the Persians' custom was to repatriate the enslaved nation and to help them get on their feet. And so many of the Jews became very prosperous. We look when we get to the book of Esther, we see that many of the Jews remain because they were settled, they were comfortable. But here it is, God's initiation to the daring few. In chapter 3, we have the disciplined life of these people who have responded to God's initiation. Verse 1 says, And when the seventh month had come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Once people respond to the initiation of God, if they have truly made that commitment to God, and it is God who's working in their life, they become a disciplined people. They live a disciplined life. And so the first mark of a disciplined life is that they gather together. Throughout the scriptures, there is the implication as well as the direct statement that we are to gather together as a people of God. Why? That we may keep each other accountable, that we may study the word of God, that we may be open to the direction of God, and that we may make an impact in the community that God has put us in. One mind, one vision. We know who we serve. We know where we're going. We know why we're here. Secondly, notice in verse 2, it says that Joshua and Zerubbabel, they built an altar of God, and they offered burnt offerings as is written in the law of Moses. When one has responded to the initiation of God, one cultivates a personal relationship. The altar speaks of, of a time of prayer, a time of total dedication, consecration. You see, it doesn't do any good just to follow a man. It's important that we're following Jesus. That altar speaks of my coming to Him and, and, and spending that time and, and going before Him. See, before I can fellowship with Him, I have to go through the altar. I have to lay everything on the altar so that all impurities and everything are just consumed. The burnt offering speaks of dedication, consecration to the Lord. First John says that we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I realize that my relationship has to be cultivated. It has to be kept right. And so I develop that relationship with Christ. It isn't just a religious movement. I'm not just going through formalities. I'm just not trusting in, 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 in my name being on a, on a roll or in just being a participant in some area of that ministry. But thirdly, verses 4 through 7, a disciplined life is obedient to the entire Word of God. They celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in verse 4 commemorating God's faithfulness in the wilderness, how he provided for them, spending seven days out in the open on a booth with enough space in the walls for the wind to come through, enough space in the ceiling to see the stars, the regular other new moon's feast days in verse 5. And then in verse 6, they began to lay the foundation of the temple. Notice that before they begin any work, relationship is established. Too often we get caught up with the work before the relationship and so we point to the work as being worthy of the relationship and nothing could be further from the truth. And then in verse 8 through 11, the last mark is that they served and they worshipped. As a result of the service, there is worship that comes forth. Too often the only thing that comes forth for many people is work and murmur instead of work and worship. And pretty soon people start pointing to all they have done Instead of saying, Lord, I just thank you for allowing me to work. 
and they start pointing to their works so or they start exalting themselves. And so you see the marks of a disciplined life here. But notice that in verse 10, the elders laid the foundation of the temple and the priests stood in their apparel and the Levites and they praised the Lord. And in 11, they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Listen what they say. For he is good and his mercy endures forever towards Israel. If we're not careful, we will give praise to God only when things are going well. Only depending on what God is doing in a physical sense. I must learn to worship and give thanks to God because of what he's doing in me. Any response to God simply on an exterior motive will not be worthwhile. Because as soon as that changes and it's not convenient for me, then I begin to complain and murmur or just go away. And so the response is from the heart due to the relationship they have established. God is doing a good work. They've laid the foundation. They've started the work. They're seeing God work in the midst of them. But mark it well, it's due to a disciplined life. Now in chapter 4, the devil attacks. Mark it well. When God decrees something for your life and you become daring and then you start disciplining your life, the devil will come in to try to discourage, to try to just make you ineffective, to try to put fear in your heart. In chapter 4, there are the first three verses. It says, Now when the adversary, mark it well, the adversary, the enemy, of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's house and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we have sacrificed to him since the days of Ezra Haddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers, house of Israel, said to them, You may do nothing with us to build the house of our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us. Now, some of the Christians today will say that's very unloving. <laughs> there are some Christians that want to embrace anything and everything for the sake of unity, regardless of what's going on. That's wrong. That's the mentality and the motive of the world church that is going to be deceived. We are to always seek unity. But the basis of unity is God's word and God's love. And it's God's peace, not the peace we can cultivate through our understanding or our agreement. And here you have Satan, the adversary, trying to join the work of God. He's always trying to, first of all, destroy the work that God is doing by joining the work. He will do anything he can to become part of it. But notice that Zerubbabel and Joshua were sensitive enough to check things by God's word. These were not people of God. They were people who had intermarried with the Gentile of the land. These are actually the Samaritans. The northern kingdom, the ten tribes, went into captivity in 721. And Assyria had a practice of cross-populating people to discourage their attitude of rebellion and to try to regain nationalism. And so they would take the people of Samaria and they took them and they put them in another portion of land. They took those people and put them in Samaria and they intermarried. That resulted in the Samaritans. Here they come, they say, listen, we sacrifice to the same God. We want to be part of it. 
Now remember the woman of Samaria told Jesus, we worship here in Gerizim, in the Jews in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, you don't know what you worship. <laughs> they have taken the word of God, the law of God, and they have taken their own customs, their own beliefs, and they have integrated them, what is called syncretism. There are many people who syncretize their customs, their beliefs, their opinions with some of the word of God, and they say, hey, I'm a Christian too. Be careful. They were discerning enough to know this, and they says, you have no part nor lot with us because you are a mixed multitude. In verse 4 through 5, since they couldn't join, they tried to discourage. They said, then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building, and they hired counselors against them, lawyers, to frustrate their purposes. And so the discouragements, will, they will come in. But what is going to move you on from discouragements? Looking back and saying, God did call me. I did respond. And he has work in my life. And he still desires to work in my life. And I'm going to turn my heart to him to seek him. And regardless of what's going on in my life right now, I can trust God for it. Because he has begun this good work. And he's going to finish the day of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we get too discouraged too easily by what happens around us. And we need to remember the initiation of God upon our life and the miracle and the tremendous work that He has done and then turn to Him again. Sometimes it will think, it will seem in our lives that even God is, has removed His hand from us. But remember that we don't walk by feeling, we walk by faith. But please don't confuse faith as a leap into darkness. Faith is a leap into light. Faith is a movement based upon God's initiation speaking to me. It isn't darkness, but it's light. People in the world sometimes say, well, you know, I just have a hunch. Well, that's not the Christian. He doesn't move on hunches. He doesn't move on feelings. He moves upon the initiation of God upon his life. In verses 6 on down, they write letters to Ahasuerus and Artaxerxes. And the work comes to a complete stop. In verse 23 and 24 of chapter 4, it says they came to them by force of arms and they made them to cease. And it discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And so for a while it seems that God has been stopped. For a while it will seem sometimes in your life and my life like God is not working. That he has removed his hand from me. But has he really? Is that God's nature? Is God, has he been known to take people out and then leave them all alone? In Genesis it says, and God remembered Noah. We just read in the opening chapter that God remembered Israel to bring them back into the land. And so I must remember the reputation God has. That in those times when I feel or it seems that there's nothing going on, then I need to trust God. I need to commit myself to him because he still wants to work and he's going to use me. Now, when discouragement comes, the people of God many times who have been used to begin the work pull back and they become delighted in their own affairs. They start getting caught up with their own lives. This is what was taking place during this time and the prophet Haggai and Zechariah are called by God to prophesy beginning chapter 5. So they get the direction from God. Let me read you the prophet Haggai. 
in chapter 1, he says, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of uh, Jehoiazadek, and the high priest, saying, Listen, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you to yourselves to dwell in your panel houses or sealed houses? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put him into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Read the rest of it. They had been discouraged. And therefore, they started getting self-centered. And they started building these houses real beautiful and everything else. And they forgot about the house of God that God had called them to build. Let me suggest to you that sometimes those very individuals who have responded to God's beginning work, they forget because of difficulties and everything else. And they begin to be delighting in their own affairs, in their houses, in this and that. And they put aside the work of God. Study the history of the people of God. We have an uncanny ability to do that in every movement that God has. In the beginning, we're all excited. But then as time goes on, things discourage us and we pull back. And what happens when you're not caught up with God? You can only be caught up with self. When you're not caught up in the work of God, you've got to be caught up in the work of self. And this was the rebuke that the prophets brought from the Spirit of God. Now, maybe you're in this position and God has used you and you've been part of God's work. But things have happened in your life and now you've pulled back. You're discouraged. Things aren't flowing the way they used to. Some difficult situations have arisen. You feel like nothing's going on and God's hand has been removed from you. Then you need to seek God so that you can hear His voice. And you can get direction for your life. Because God continues to speak to man. And he wants to continue to speak to you. So that as you respond, you can be sure that it's God and not a man that you're following. And so the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, they prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah, verse 1 says, in Jerusalem, in the name of God of Israel, who was over them. And Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, and Joshua, the son of Jezadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. They were part of it. They moved out in faith, and so the people were encouraged. And so God has raised up pastor, teachers, evangelists, so on and so forth, for the perfecting of the saints, for the equipping of them, for the work of the ministry. That we work together, we see what God has, and we're on target, and we're moving out. God forbid that... People should just be kicking back and doing absolutely nothing. God has a unique work for each and every one of you because God has saved you for His purpose and for His glory. And then in verse 3, again, the governor came to them and asked them who commanded them to build a temple and to finish the wall. They were a little upset. And so 
The response of the elders in verse 5 was that the eyes of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they could not make them cease till the report could go to Darius. And so they were encouraged in spite of man's opposition. And so they sent another letter to Darius and he made another search of the archives and he found out that there had been an, a decree made by Cyrus. He in turn sent letters back telling them to help the building and not to hinder it. And if anybody hindered it, then they would be pulled down, their houses, and be, they would be punished. So those times when it seems dark, those times when it thinks that God has removed his hand from my life and your life, be ready, seek him, because he's ready to do another good work. And he will take the wrath of man and glorify himself. And so the work continued. And in verse 13 of chapter 6, it says that they diligently did according to what the king Darius had sent. His decree was long. And so they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. And they built and finished it. The temple was finished in verse 15, the third day of the month of Adar, and the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Four years later, the temple is finished. Notice it was God's temple. It was his work. He initiated, but people responded. And so many of you, God has called you into the work of God, and you've responded. But some of you have pulled back. Some of you are just kicking back, and you're coming, and you're going through formalities. But there's no real life in your life, and you need to plug into God. You need to come before that altar and, 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 and quicken that relationship again. You need to seek His face and to trust Him for what's going on because He's wanting to do a good work in your life. They gave of their substance. They gave of themselves. In chapter 1 it says they gave of their free will. God is always working in the heart of His people. They not only give of their life, they give of their time, they give of themselves, and God's work gets accomplished. Not by pressure, not by programs, by the pure work of God as a spirit as He moves upon the heart of the people. It's exciting when God works because there's no pressure, there's no nothing, there's an excitement because God is working. There's an acknowledgement of God doing the work and there is a response that people can see and God is the one who gets glorified. But please don't interpret that to mean that there's never difficulty. Don't interpret that to mean the absence of testings and trials. For God uses those things to keep us dependent upon Him. And so the temple was finished. They offered sacrifices in verse 17. In verse 18, the priest assigned the divisions that David had set up. And then they celebrated the Passover in verse 19. They all ate together in verse 21. They separated themselves to order to seek the Lord God of Israel. What a tremendous thing. This is the result of those who respond to the initiation of God. Does God still speak to men today? You better believe it. And so as you get into the Word of God, as you fellowship, as you seek Him in prayer, God desires to speak to you. And He desires to speak to me. He doesn't want you to just be out there on your own or out there doing your own thing. But He wants you to be in line with what He has in store for your life. And so as God was able to bring them back, God desires to bring you back if you're out. If you're not fellowshipping, if you're not in the Word, if you're not in prayer, then you need to turn your heart to Jesus Christ. Don't turn Him away today.
but respond to the initiation of His Spirit. Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of experiencing victory in responding to the initiation of God's direction. Now, today's message is simply titled, God Still Speaks to Men, and is available, as always, on CD for just $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title you'll want to ask for is, God Still Speaks to Men, or simply mention today's date. You can get your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you let us know the call letters of this station when you contact us. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese spells out the simple truths of what it takes to be both a hearer and doer of the Word of God. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 